heroes walk among us. They are in our midst every day. At Heroes in Our Midst, we find them, we celebrate them, and we learn from them. Heroes in Our Midst is a podcast about the power inside the heart, the human behind the story, and the collection of idiosyncrasies that both make us unique and bond us together through a common humanity. Join us as we are inspired, as we learn, and as we are challenged to be better by the heroes in our midst and the stories that they tell. Hi, I'm Michelle Sawatsky-Coop, and this is Heroes in Our Midst. Thanks for finding us. Thanks for listening. And if at the end of today's episode you liked it, then check out more of our heroes. Subscribe, follow us, and well... Tell anyone you think might be inspired by the story that you hear. Today, I get to speak to a coach. Uniquely, a diving coach. Her name is Dallas Ludwig. Currently, Dallas is the head coach of the Manitoba Regional Diving Centre through the Canadian Sports Centre in Manitoba, as well as one of Canada's senior national team coaches. Now, as far as diving goes... I think the closest I have ever come to a five-meter platform was at the Pan Am Pool in Winnipeg when I was singing O Canada at the Olympic trials one year, and they wanted me to sing up there. My goodness, everything in my power just to stand close enough to the edge so that everyone could at least see me. Never mind throwing yourself off of it and doing every twist and turn imaginable in exactly the right timing to enter the water with barely a splash. Yeah. Out of my wheelhouse, for sure. But Dallas has spent years of her life not only diving herself, but also trying to help others be the best at it. You can imagine the mental toughness a sport like diving must take. Standing in the silence and knowing that in a matter of mere seconds, only pushing the envelope with near perfection while literally falling through the air will be good enough to get you to the highest level in your sport. Wow. So here's the best part. For the next, you know hour or so, we don't have to imagine it. We get to hear what it's really like from Dallas. Now, what I've discovered since starting this podcast project of ours is that the best question to start with is to ask our guests to tell their story, for our heroes to have the freedom to talk about the good and the bad, the ups and the downs. So that's where I started with Dallas at the very beginning and how sport started for her. Uh, well, as a kid, I grew up in Portage La Prairie. I lived there till I was 10. So I was definitely a free range kid. I was out riding my bike, falling all the time, always <laughs> cutting bruise, pulling off ticks, all that kind of thing. I feel like I had the best of both worlds in that I was young in Portage La Prairie. And then we moved to Winnipeg, where my parents were from when okay. I was 10. Okay. And that gave me, you know, all the doors open to activities and such that you need as you get a little bit older. So you don't make all the wrong choices in life and you're entertained. Um, Yeah, so I had done a little bit of gymnastics when I was in Portage, very, very low level. And when I moved to Winnipeg, actually the gym that I tried out for, they told me I was too tall and too old. And I mean, you're looking at me, but (laughs) at that time that was, but they said they would put me in anyway. So I did a little bit of gymnastics at a competitive level, but at a provincial level. And then, you know, I hurt myself, I hurt my knee and I needed surgery. So that was it for gymnastics. And I don't ever remember thinking about diving. (laughs) I don't remember wanting to take diving or thinking about it as a logical progression. I just remember being in the change room for the first day and walking up the pool deck and being nervous. But my first coach, Les Hansen, he was so fun 
And it just changed everything for me. Like in that moment, it was love. I love diving, I think, from the first week. So when you started with diving, how old were you? I was 13. Okay. How do you even begin the sport of diving? I think a lot of us would have no idea. We watch the Olympics. We see them twisting and turning and not making any splash, and none of it looks like it hurts. (laughs) But how do you start? Uh, Well, it's it's pretty simple in a way, as complicated (laughs) as simple can be. You just start by falling in. Literally, the little kids, we stick them on slides, and we slide them in head first. (laughs) And when they can get in head first, forwards and backwards, we start working from there. And you just work... Basically a half rotation at a time. So at first it's a dive, then it's a somersault, then it's a one and a half. Just go up from there. And of course up the heights as well. So you start low, side level, Mm -hmm. you know, then work your way up to the one meter, which for the little ones can be a big jump. Three meter, five meter, seven meter, ten meter. Wow. So I can hear the coach in you already (laughs) coming out and telling me the progressions. Oh, yeah. Uh, So for you as a diver, how far did you get? Like, how long did you dive? Yeah, I only trained myself for four years. Okay. Uh, I competed at a junior and senior national level, Canada Games. You Mm -hmm. know, everything that you can do domestically, I was never going to go international. (laughs) My divers are far better than I ever was, and that's great. (laughs) What's kind of cool about that is some of the people that have joined us on our podcast series, you know, they were Olympians, and now they're sort of passing it Mm -hmm. back, but there are so many coaches. Um, Any coach I ever had that coached me in volleyball, they never actually, some of them didn't even really play the sport past Mm -hmm. maybe even high school, if that. Mm -hmm. And so there is a whole group of people um, like you who found this love of the sport didn't didn't actually reach the heights that now you are enabling athletes to get to. I think that's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Where was the switch? Where was, because a lot of people dive or a lot of people do sport and then they move on and they don't merely mm-hmm. come back and, and teach it. So uh, why do you think you landed into coaching? That I remember wanting to do immediately. Really? I was at the Canada Games. It was my last competition. I knew it. I hadn't announced it necessarily to anyone, huh. but I wanted to stop diving and start coaching in September. So, I mean, at the time, it wasn't a career aspiration at right. all. I was actually planning to become a physiotherapist, and that's a whole other story, but I wanted to do it as a part-time job. First of all, logically, it works well. It's it's after university time, so it fits in terms of your schedule. But I also just wanted to work with the kids. Yeah. So what was your first coaching gig? While I was still diving, uh, in our club, we have a system where anyone that's interested can be over the age of 15 can begin instructing. So you just take a little bit of time out of your own training and you coach a one hour class. Oh. So that's how I began as an instructor. And, you know, it, it becomes a little more of a job when you do summer camps and stuff like that. So I was pretty young, actually, when I started. Yeah. And then I graduated high school and went to university at 17. I'm a December baby. Okay. And so that's when I started coaching a lot more. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of spiraled. As you coached, how does diving work? Do you work with specific athletes? Do you work as a team? Explain that for us. It is an individual sport, but we still have training groups amongst the team. So on our team, we had different levels, different ages, etc. So you have your own group of athletes. I was, I guess, the fourth ranked coach. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was new. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. They gave me a group of kids that were kind of a bit of a motley crew. They didn't quite fit into the other groups. So the age ranges were huge. My oldest athlete was 16, a year younger than me. My youngest, I think, was 12. And they really had a variety of skill sets. 
but I just loved it. And actually at Christmas, so about four months in, my entire group got moved up into higher groups. And so in January, they gave me a bunch of little kids, like 10, 10 years old. That was super fun. Yeah. Well, and then you can start them right from the beginning. Now, did you have a philosophy of coaching when you started? Did you have sort of a, a dream of the kind of coach you wanted to be and what you wanted people to sort of define you as as a coach? Well, I think my first coach, he instilled in me this this wanting to empower the kids. Okay. I don't even know if he did it intentionally, but that's what he did for me. Right. As an awkward, really, you know, super self-conscious 13-year-old when I came into diving, you know, he made me feel like I mattered and that there were some parts of me that were awesome. Hmm. And I don't think I'd ever really experienced that before. And so I wanted to bring that out in the kids and just get them excited about what they were capable of, get them to set goals. Many, you know, the average 10-year-old doesn't set too many goals but they're so capable of it. And it was just really fun for me. I got so much feedback from the parents in terms of, you know, just helping their kids through challenges in their life or kind of coming out of their shell or Mm. getting over fears. I used to get these amazing Christmas cards, just, you know, so heartfelt. And, And that's what I fell in love with initially, just that, oh my gosh, I feel like People really appreciate what I'm doing for their kid. They don't care how they do in competition. Right. They care about what they're getting at a sport and that they have this other kind of adult. I mean, I was only quite young myself, but they have this this other influence in their life that's hopefully a, a really positive one. Mm-hmm. So 10-year-olds, it's sort of someone might, you know, and, and I even might say as an athlete and as someone who has coached, well, that's easy with 10-year-olds <laughs> to be all nice and get mm-hmm. the cards and everything. But maybe from personal experience talking to a lot of athletes, as the level gets higher and higher, it gets more and more serious. Mm-hmm. Now, did you experience that sort of early on? Like you had some older divers under your care, but even in the in the club that you were in, mm-hmm. um, was were there more serious athletes and, and was that possible what did you see and what were you learning in those first years I guess Mm -hmm. of coaching on on how that progresses as a coach and and how you maybe wanted to be as you would progress actually the first couple of years of my coaching the club was not at a particularly competitive level right you know similar to when I was diving Um, and then over the years we had a new head coach and we had and then myself and another colleague of mine who were quite young we started really throwing ourselves into it and learning as much as we can and kind of develop the club from there Uh, it certainly wasn't perfect but we were growing and you know what in the first nine years that i coached i mostly worked with younger kids it was actually after i left coaching and then came back but suddenly i was up at that top level so in the first phase i think for me, the main difference was there's always tomorrow mm-hmm. with the kids. It's what did you learn and how does that apply to tomorrow? Every time, in every scenario, you can basically do that good, bad, right. you know, elated, devastated. Mm-hmm. Later in my career, when I was with the older athletes, that was a hard part for me because sometimes there is no tomorrow. That's the last chance. Yeah. Or the qualifications are so intense that... If you don't make this, you don't make that, et cetera, there's a domino effect. And so that intensity, it is hard to bring that, you know, that same mentality of mm-hmm. 
but it's still it's still the same at the end of the day in terms of the empowerment and setting the goals and just doing the best you can in the moment. Now you alluded to it. You already said in phase one and phase <laughs> two. What happened there? Why was <laughs> why did you have phases? Why you know? So you obviously stepped away from the sport. So yeah. maybe lead us to that, um, to sort of that decision and, and why you left the sport. I was loving coaching. I, I was doing pretty well. I was getting some great results at the junior national level. Uh, had my first junior national champion in 2002 and then just kind of spiraled from there and it was really fun and I don't even know how it happened really it just kind of built and built and built but over time I started to learn that the head coach at the time and myself did not show the same values okay and in the end I didn't think he was a great coach in terms of all the things that coaching should encompass um and I found myself becoming more and more uncomfortable with the situation, some of the decisions he was making ethically and just the environment that existed in our club. And I didn't, you know, it's funny, at the time I decided it would be my last season, I needed a break. Mm-hmm. And I had a job offer from like every province in Canada. And I'm going, what is with this? Like just when I've made the decision to step away, and it, it was it was kind of funny to me, but I did step away and I... I went traveling with my boyfriend at the time, now my husband. Uh, I had planned to go traveling anyway, and I was super happy that he came (laughs) along. So we traveled for six months. We went through all of the South Pacific and Southeast Asia, many countries, just backpacking on a shoestring budget, uh, you know, sleeping in the gross hostels, (laughs) eating as cheap as possible, but um, spending a lot of time and money on doing fun things and just experiencing other parts of the world. So that was a really great life experience for me. Mm -hmm. And essentially the whole time I tried to talk myself out of becoming a photographer. Oh. Because of what an impractical and stupid idea that that was for me professionally. And of course I came home and enrolled in photography school. (laughs) So I came home to my letter of acceptance and away I went. And I went to photography school. I absolutely loved it. The program was phenomenal. It was a 10 month program, very intense. And then I became a photographer, like wow. a freelance photographer. Yeah. I, I never actually, I kept trying to make a website. I never did. It was just all through word of mouth, essentially. I didn't do weddings, but I did a lot of other mm-hmm. portraits, commercial. And I still got to work with people. And I really liked that part of it. Yeah. Um, and then basically one day, one of my former athletes who had gone on to take a scholarship in the States actually had become uh NCAA national champion on 10 meter. Her name's Kristen Davies. She called me up one day and said she had moved home. She had won her national title, retired, moved home, started coaching for that club that I'd left and said, you know, I don't think I'm done after all. I know you're busy with other things. And I've been, I know I've kind of talked to you about where to go and where to train, but I just thought it doesn't hurt to ask, would you consider coaching? Wow. And I just thought, oh my gosh, like, is this suicide, right? Like going into competition with my old boss, my old club. Like I just, I didn't really want any of that. Um, But she's just such a fabulous individual and I love coaching and I always kind of thought I'd come back to it so I called I I told her I needed a couple days I called dive in Canada and I'm like so this happened what do you think is there any 
help for this kind of thing and away we went so we started with just one athlete a month later Kevin Geeson who was the top Manitoba diver for at least 10 years asked if he could join and that's when I thought oh my gosh I'm really gonna be in trouble here with the status quo but you know it spiraled it grew and grew more people asked if they could join and eventually we started a club Wow, so you started your own club. Mm-hmm. Now, I can tell from your positive nature <laughs> and your amazing ability, really, to take that day that you talked about and look ahead and say, what are we going to do with this day, right? You can't go back and change things. But maybe give us an idea, though. You talked about some unethical decisions. and What was happening for you there? And then you actually even, like you said, you went back to that that place and right because of Kristen mm-hmm. because it was enough to draw you back in mm-hmm. but but where did that go for you maybe just to give us a perspective of what the level was that actually made you stop doing what you loved I, I think to sum it up there is one quote that was used on pool that quite often which was yeah. I want them to be more afraid of me than they are of the dive so that's going to get them to go and I wanted nothing to do with that right I wanted to empower them I wanted to get them to work together and build each other up and have each new dive or new skill, which we are in a scary sport, make you feel better about yourself, make you feel more confident that you can take the next step, you can do the harder thing and have it be a positive experience. So you're down there so proud of yourself before you surface Mm -hmm. rather than being glad you survived, you know? (laughs) Um, Just some stuff like that. Yeah, (laughs) but you know what? Really, when you put it that way, see, and and I'm so glad you even mentioned just that one thought because it describes it for us. So, and you had had success with your style. I mean, you talked about having a junior national champion and, mm-hmm. and with, with that empowerment. So you, you, you've, now you've come back, right? <laughs> you took that break. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you started this new club. Do you think though, before we leave the break that you took and that amazing travel time yep. with now your husband, um, it, was that essential in having the energy and the restorative, you know, um, power yourself to start something new again? I hadn't thought about it in that way, but I would say nothing expands your mind more than travel. Yeah. I think it just forces you to unconsciously become more open-minded. Yeah. So whenever you hear a new idea, you're more inclined to think about it as opposed to just sticking in your own way. And I think that was the difference between my style and the, the style that wasn't driving for me. Right. Was this way or the highway, whereas I was interested in learning more every day and all of that yeah. and I just wanted the the experience to be positive for everyone and I do think that you gain more from being positive mm-hmm. than you do from the opposite so I think the travel was just you kind of get to be in awe and my favorite thing about coaching is when they do something so great that I feel like it transcends all the corrections I've given them and I'm in awe of that <laughs> little die, that little moment, Aww. and it just feels so good. So now, I mean, it kind of seems like, oh, well, you know, I'm listening to this going, oh, good, you started your own club so you can do it how you want. <laughs> how did it go from there when you started this club, lots of positive things, so were there some challenges along the way as well? Well, we had no money or pool time, so that was, <laughs> I mean, two athletes are not going to support a coach. Uh, so yeah, there. I mean, I was still working as a full-time photographer wow. and yeah. trying to fit that in, and eventually the, the percentage of time spent on each shifted, but it, it was a challenge, I guess, politically, because we were doing our own thing, sure. and the old regime had... Mm-hmm. control over everything right and that didn't put us in a good position to right. you know get funding for provincial team and stuff like that but 
you know what it it was challenging because we found ourselves all in new roles I was not that far in age from my athletes um I mean Kevin was four four and a half years younger than me and actually it was weird because we would go to these international competitions and everyone would stare at us I mean I, I you could feel it Yes. And they're like, Who, who's this kid coming in with Kevin? Like, I just, I've always been pretty small and I guess looked young for my age. And a lot of people thought I was younger than him, which was hilarious to me. But, you know, we had a good thing going. There were definitely challenges in our relationship. There was like a little bit of, uh, it was new to him. My style was so different right. that I think he, he sometimes had trouble trusting it because it was just so unknown. And he mm. was so used to being kind of beaten down that right. when... I was trying to do things in a completely different way. His reaction was sometimes weird. Like just, I think he just, he wasn't used to it. Right. Um, it did get to a point where we could both be really honest with each other. And Good. so even if it wasn't working, you could be honest about how and why and awesome. where to go from there. Yeah. 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 You don't hear that from every coach though. So, and in diving to a sport like that, that really is one-on-one. So your relationship mm-hmm. with Kevin as a coach mm-hmm. and an athlete would be very different from your relationship with Kristen. Mm-hmm. And, and did, yes. did that help? Was that sort of a, you know, sometimes they say a change is as good as a break. Like, did, did you find some of those dynamics? Did you, like, how much did you love that? Working with two different, totally different athletes. Yeah. Their personalities couldn't have been more different. <laughs> and they never had a good day on the same day. Oh, boy. And so every time we'd go to a national competition or any, any competition with any weight to it, I used to have this saying that it's the elation devastation. One was elated and one was devastated as we were flying home. And just balancing that, because there's only the two for the longest time, was tricky because you don't want to minimize one person's success and you know, not have them enjoy that moment because the other one's upset and then vice versa. You don't want to dwell too much on that and minimize, you know, yes. so yeah, it was a challenge, but they were very close. Okay. As different as they were. And so that was really great. You, you're almost describing like my life as a mother. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you know what? I have had a few moms over the years actually send me a card or a text on Mother's Day and basically say, thanks for being the other mom in so and so's life. So just incredible. So, so take us along, Dallas. Now, um, sort of where are we at right now in terms of your story? Like you have these two athletes. When did it start to grow more and how did that grow to get you to what you're doing now? Well, a year, within the year. So it was January 2010 that we started with Kevin and Kristen. And that April, someone from the current club's board of directors approached me and said, we're not continuing with the former head coach. Would you come talk with us? Wow. So, I mean, I didn't see it coming, at least not that fast. I didn't really know where it was headed. Um, uh, basically, reamalgamated. We were Revolution Diving. They were the Pan Am Diving Club. And now we're basically all Revolution Diving. And I just inherited all these other athletes and coaches that came with the team. And, and then from there, it slowly started to evolve and... You know, more of my former athletes moved on into coaching roles, and now our coaching staff is all former athletes of mine, except for one that I brought in myself from Colombia that we had met internationally, and I wanted to find another full-time professional cool. coach. Cool. So, yeah, it, it there was a strange period where everyone in the club was quite old, I mean, as far as diving goes, and then there was a gap. So we started trying to find this young talent and bring these young kids in. And it took a lot of time before there was a critical mass. 
And then when there was a critical mass and this former generation was retiring, there was a big gap where I jumped from coaching people in their 20s, end of their career, trying to make the Olympics, etc., to 12-year-olds, 12, 13-year-olds. 12, and that was quite the change. You know, it was my roots, but after being there with all the high pressure, high stakes, the international travel, that sort of crazy lifestyle to back to the kids was definitely a 180. Wow. Wow. And so now, do you still have a balance? Um, are you more high performance in terms of your coaching? And, and what do you love? Or do you love it all? Well, now those younger ones are 14, 15. Mm -hmm. So they're definitely all at the national level. They're, they've got their goals, et cetera. But they're still a ways from that senior national team level just in terms of age and right. experience. But that is the end game. And it did give me a chance to consolidate everything that I'd learned yeah. and get to restart yeah. with that new knowledge. And just, I mean, so many more drills and ideas, mm -hmm. etc. So how do you get um, a diver to the next level? Is it overcoming fear? How do you talk to your athletes about that? I think that'll help us in life, actually, as we're listening to you. The fear is there at every stage. Yeah. So whatever the next height is, whatever the next skill is, this is a sport where you're literally scared you're going to hurt yourself. Yeah. It's natural. And there isn't so much of a conversation as much as there's trust in the background. So if the trust is there, then when I present, you're ready, let's try this, then they'll believe it. Mm. If the trust isn't there, then that's where you have, I think, a lot more fear. Now, some athletes naturally have more fear. Right. And I would say that we lose 90% of the talent of fear. Because let's face it, we're the weird ones. <laughs> we're the ones who enjoy that <laughs> adrenaline to the point of it fuels us and we like it. We're not overcoming it. We actually like it. Yeah. And so diving's a great sport for what I like to call adrenaline junkies, where you can go get that out of your system in a positive way and, you know, strive for something. But yeah, I think it really just comes down to trust. If you if you build it up step by step by having them go through progressions that they can achieve and achieve and achieve and then they just you know, you're not you're gonna wipe out once mm -hmm. in a while. But that overall you feel if your coach says you're ready, you believe that you're ready. Wow. What's your dream? What's your dream as a coach um, with your club or maybe even in the future with athletes you don't even know yet? Like who does Dallas Ludwig <laughs> want to become in, in diving in not just Canada, but in the world? You know, it's a good question. That's actually something I've been asking myself mm -hmm. for the last couple of years. I definitely used to have the goal of being an Olympic coach and bringing an athlete to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. That is still something I'm interested in, but I don't see that as the real purpose for coaching. Mm -hmm. I think that for me, the real purpose is in empowering as many young people and actually even coaches and everyone around as possible because I think that the kids, well, first of all, the type of kids that come into diving, they're gutsy and they're not afraid to put themselves out there in a way that's a little bit more than average, right? Mm -hmm. You're standing up there wearing barely nothing, having a bunch of people stare at you. You can hear a pin drop before you go and you're basically saying, judge me. And so I think that that type of personality has the potential to go out and do amazing things in the world. Yeah. And so I think that the more people I can positively influence, that they could choose a path that can do that. Mm -hmm. So for me, I mean, I don't know if that's a career aspiration, but 
that's what I'm really trying to get back to my roots of. I think that's where it started with the younger kids, that positive influence that, you know, just the gratitude from the parents seeing it, even if the mm. kids couldn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, getting it back later with the older ones when they come back and say, like, what an influence. Yeah. And I see the amazing things that they're doing. It makes me feel like I had a small part to play in yeah. all the amazing things they're doing. Absolutely. What a reward for you. Now, did you get did you get close? Did any of your athletes, I mean, you had those two athletes that mm-hmm. came to and they were older athletes. Yeah. Now, how close were they to that sort of that Olympic dream? And, and what do you remember of that? Uh, as close as you can be and not make it. Wow. Is the answer. So Kevin is a incredibly talented physical being. This guy was all the talent just bundled into one. But he had had a bit of a history with you know the whole mental side of things mm-hmm. he didn't he did, hadn't created that base of confidence self-confidence and just being able to get through those pressure situations there were also some distinct technical issues with this diving which you know it goes hand in hand the more technically proficient you are the more confident you become right, right. so we worked on both sides and we worked really hard and he is an incredibly hard worker and very impatient so he always expected a lot of himself in every minute okay. and he changed so quickly and people were coming up to me saying it's impossible like I saw that guy when he was 25 and now he's 26 and it's like a different person wow and everyone always said to me it's too late it's too late for him and I think maybe I was the only person that said no way you're too talented you want it too bad is it really ever too late? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Let's find out. So he had a massive improvement. And he, well, for example, his total score best performance before that was 400 points. And he went to 500 points. The only one in Canada since Alexandre Batty the Great. Yes. Um, so, I mean, that's an improvement of 25%. Like, it's a Crazy. huge, huge improvement in any sport to go by, like, fractions of a percentage. So... That's the type of improvement he had. And heading into the 2012 Olympic trials, he was ready, but his demons were resurfacing. You know, that self-doubt that you're going to let yourself down again. And I could see it, but it was very difficult to know exactly how to combat that because it's like your baggage, right? Mm-hmm. You have all these new tricks and tools and in the in the prelim like in the first round of dives he had a 40 point advantage and in the final i think he just he tried not to lose it instead of going for what he was capable of and he lost it wow and it was devastating it was devastating for him and it was devastating for me to see him go through that i mean a 27 year old amazing statuesque human like a superhuman Mm -hmm. just on the floor crying sobbing you Mm -hmm. know so that was really hard so what did you do with that when you see that what as a coach well I let him cry for a bit yeah and then uh the weird thing about the Olympic trials is it was also nationals so there's still a podium and only two make the Olympics and when you're third you don't want to stand on that podium no So I just gave him the choice. Mm -hmm. And I said, uh, no one would fault you if you didn't want to get up on it, but I still think you should be proud of the journey. Yeah. Sorry. That's okay. (laughs) And he did. (laughs) (laughs) And in the moment, I thought that was huge, like a moment. 
It's a huge moment. I think in that moment that he was even able to stand. You know, he showed himself. And no matter what happens in the future for this young man, Mm -hmm. right, uh, he will hopefully remember that moment and be super proud, um, even after such great disappointment. Um, And uh, did, did he retire after that? He did. He did retire, and he, he it took him a long time, I think, to recover, actually, from it. I think that's one of the hard parts of the sports system is when it is the last moment and there is no more tomorrow, yeah. and you didn't achieve it. Yes. You know, people forget about all those athletes, but that's 99% of them. Yes. Um, but, yeah, you know, he's gone on to become a successful athletic therapist and personal trainer, awesome. and he even went to the World Championships and cheerleading afterwards oh. because they kept recruiting him <laughs> even though he kept saying he was done. But, uh, yeah, and myself, one thing that I really learned was one of my classic phrases with my athletes now is don't dive to avoid mistakes. Dive to go for what you want. And those journeys are what teach us that. And you're right, because when people talk about diving in Canada, they remember maybe one or two names. Mm -hmm. But there are so many more incredible, really heroes um, that make a difference in and have made a difference in your life and have taught you so many amazing things. I love that. What a great, what a great story. So, Dallas, we're going to get to know you even a little bit better with some rapid fire (laughs) questions. (laughs) Um, What is your favorite sound? Ocean waves. What is something that you have struggled with that continues to affect you now that no one would know looking at you? Um, I think just thinking that I'm not good enough and then that results in sacrificing myself to be better, more, etc. Mm-hmm. Not to the benefit of anyone. Describe an ordinary moment. I think just sitting, being, and looking around. I love just observing what's going on around me and... I find those calm moments few and far between. (laughs) What is one piece of advice, and you've given us some already, but what is one piece of advice you want to pass along to others? Be yourself. Mm. I actually made up my own quote. (laughs) We were, there was something I did a long time ago where they're like, uh, you know, come up with a quote that's whatever, represents this period in your life or something. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't find one, so I made my own, and basically it's, be yourself. It's the only way to be excellent at anything and to be of value to anyone else. So I I made it and I put it up on my own wall. <laughs> and you can live by it because it came from your heart and your mind. Yeah, it seemed ridiculous to put something up on your wall that was like your own quote, but that's what I did. Dallas, <laughs> what's your favorite failure? Um, well, I mean, probably Kevin mm-hmm. missing the Olympics. I do think that was incredibly character building and it did seem future future failures it put them in perspective and they didn't uh affect me as much but I think my favorite is probably failing to get into physiotherapy school (laughs) I went to my interview I had picked my outfit I was super prepared but I knew that I was at the lowest point grade point wise of getting in in those days physio is kind of a newer field and it was super hard to get into I, I don't know where it's at now you needed like a ridiculous GPA so I knew I was probably at the bottom which meant I need to be at the top of the interview and I remember walking out of there just like mortified like I don't even know who that was I don't even remember what I said I just knew it was horrible and I just felt flustered and dumb like I just felt like I couldn't string together an intelligent thought I walked out of there like feeling like such a failure I did not get in obviously and thank goodness yeah because I 
I went on to do coaching and it just Amazing. ended up making my life so great. Yeah. And being the right thing. If I don't ask this, I think I'm going to be sorry because I do have a question. When this happened to Kevin and I, I just have to ask because I'm, I have coached and other people have coached and people are parents and, Mm -hmm. and we watch these people that we really love, um, have these devastating moments. Mm -hmm. Did you ever have a time? Did you ever in those, in those moments think, Oh, I should have done something else. What could I have done more? Did you have those feelings and how did you deal with those if you did? Well, I think as a coach, you have that thought all the time. consistently. That's, okay, okay that's good. That's maybe the only thought, actually, yeah. as a coach. <laughs> you know, you're constantly evaluating the process you've chosen, yes. the strategy you've chosen, and there's no end to that question. Yeah. I think you kind of have to like being in that state to be a coach. <laughs> um, I, I think for us, sometimes in that moment, the one thing I regret, it when he came back for the final and he was so visibly nervous I kind of wish I would have just called it out a little more and been like you're super nervous of course you are go dive anyway right you can still dive Do even it. though you're nervous it doesn't right. matter and but I think you know maybe say almost a little too much yeah. on the empowering side instead of just calling it out for what it is and let's go right like hold them to the challenge sure um but would it have changed the thing who knows? There's no way to know. I really think that anytime you're doing anything of value, yeah. it's just constant problem solving. You're just solving one problem at a time. Yeah. You know, you have to define the problem and then evaluate all the possible solutions and then choose one. And you can always look back and say, well, maybe I should have chosen this other one. Maybe I didn't define the problem properly. You know, you can always look back and think about all the ways you could do it differently. But I don't think it's helpful to look back and regret what you chose. Right. Because you can't change it, but you might try something different the next time. Yeah. And that's the great part of that and the learning in it. Tell us a book that you would recommend and why. Well, um, a book that I think is awesome. I don't know what the language barriers on this, but it's The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Bleep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> love that book. I've read it a couple of times, about a year apart, and I really got different things from it both times. Um, but another book that I think is less known that for perfectionists, kind of like workaholic, people like me that can easily, very easily drown ourselves, um, is a book called Rest. And it's by Alex Sojun Kim Pang. Um, The little subtitle under the book is Why You Get More Done When You Work Less. But it's not anti-work. It's not about not working. It's about really marrying the concept of work and leisure rather than separating them, seeing them as how they're, I think he describes it as two sides of the same wave Mm -hmm. to be able to keep going with your best self. Right, right. And what are a few songs that you love? I don't have favorite songs. I'm, I'm an album person. I like albums. I like, and I never know the name of any song because I just (laughs) play the album. And so, yeah, I... I love basically anything by Passenger. He's okay. one of my favorites, and he has many albums. I could listen to it forever. <laughs> awesome. I love that. And who are two or three people who influenced you, and, and how did they impact your life? Um, I would say my closest friends. Hmm. I think I'm very, very blessed in that I have a extremely short list of people who I could tell anything to, and I mean anything. Nice. To the utmost extreme. <laughs> and there is going to be no judgment. And I, as I get older and as I look around myself more, I realize how rare that is. Yeah. 
And I think that we recognize it and we are so grateful to each other to have that level of honesty, that level of literally unconditional love and support amongst friends. So you can get anything off your chest, you can say or have done anything and no judgment. And that is Dallas Ludwig, one of Canada's senior national team diving coaches. Thank you for your story, Dallas. Thank you for cheering for empowerment. Thank you for taking a stand, for going on that break when you did, but maybe most of all, for coming back. Thanks for making it through some of the toughest moments and staying in the sport and not letting anything stop you from learning from your experiences and then passing what you've learned on to others. That's a heroic effort because it's just so much easier to quit when things get really hard. You know, I'm glad you keep asking what more you could do tomorrow because we can hardly wait to see what's yet to come.